The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome. Welcome everybody here in the room. And of course, welcome to anybody tuning in online. Really grateful that you're here today, all of you. I hope you're staying warm. And I hope if you're a visitor that you know just how grateful we are that you are here. And we want you to know that this is a church being transformed into the image of Christ so that anyone can find the way to God. And we think about experiencing that transformation in three rhythms, gathering, growing, and going. So gathering primarily in our worship on Sunday mornings, growing in our connections groups and our Bible classes, and going on mission by the power of the Holy Spirit around the corner to our neighbor and around the world. So I'm glad you're with us at the Springs this morning, and I want to invite you to be with us at the Springs tonight at 5 p.m. Trunk or Treat is still happening. Despite the rain, it is going to be happening in the gym. So just head on across the parking lot. Uh, Tonight at 5 p.m., there's still going to be fantastic decor and games and trunks and treats somehow. So it's going to be a great time. I hope you'll invite your neighbors and your friends. It's really, really going to be fun. So I hope you'll join us for the festivities tonight at 5 p.m. in the gym. This morning is the first sermon in a five-week series that we're beginning today called Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Just to be honest, Ben and I and others, Kelly, the elders, we've had this on the preaching plan for over a year now. This is not some kind of last minute audible, but I do think with the events unfolding around the world and especially in Israel and Palestine, I'm I'm more and more grateful that we're gonna be spending five weeks talking about what it means to be blessed as peacemakers. I think it's all the more pertinent and urgent that we begin this study this morning in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely, therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? But more than that, 
We even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of being reconciled to you. We thank you for the gift of your peace. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to hear your gospel of peace in this text. Help us to incorporate that into our lives, to live as peacemakers. And God, I ask you for the gift of preaching. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. It's a common tale. You've heard it many times before. You've seen it in movies and TV and books and comic books. Here's how the story typically goes. A young person finds out that they're not actually just ordinary, they are extraordinary. They have some kind of unique gift. They have a power that makes them different. But not only do they have a gift of being special with this unique ability, that unique power and ability gives them a purpose. There's a task that only they can accomplish. There's something that only they, by their giftedness, can do. But they grow weary. They grow tired of the task because they forget the gift. And so someone has to come alongside of them after they've lost their way and remind them of their gift. Remind them of the way that they have been uniquely blessed for a very specific purpose. Someone has to remind them of the task by reminding them of their gift. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. We have been given the gift of being peacemakers, that is our task. But as George Hunzinger says, peace comes as a gift before it unfolds as a task. We have the duty in the world that we inhabit, the world ridden with chaos and strife and destruction and sin and death everywhere. We have the duty of being peacemakers, the responsibility, the task, the job of being agents of reconciliation. But the only way that we can stand up to that task is by remembering the gift of God's peace first. So let's see what Paul has to say about the gift of peace that we've been graced with by God, going back to our text in chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. So Paul links up grace and peace in this text. Right? Paul says we have peace with God because we've been justified by faith. We've been reconciled to God. We've had peace made with God. And he calls that this grace. We have access to the grace of this peace. Have you noticed how often Paul pairs together grace and peace? Every letter, 
All 13 letters, if you read through, they all in the first few sentences begin Romans, grace to you and peace. First and second Corinthians, grace to you and peace, and on and on and on down the line. Grace and peace. For Paul, these two things are going hand in hand at all times. Grace and peace, right? In Ephesians, Paul says that for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So we've been saved, we've been reconciled with God through grace, which is a gift. And later in that chapter, he says in verse 14, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus Christ is our peace, and grace and peace are a pair because our peace with God is only by grace. It's only a gift. We can't earn peace with God. Only God could establish it and give it to us as grace. We've been graced by peace with God. And I remember the night that I definitively, permanently accepted the grace of that peace. The night I was baptized. It was July 20th, 2001, at 11.56 p.m. If you're Church of Christ, you know when you were baptized. But actually, it was Friday night at East River Bible Camp in Madison, South Dakota. Uh, Up there, we call it Bible Camp. Down here, it's church camp. Same thing. This was mine for my first 18 years of life. And it was on the shores of Lake Herman. But I was on the midnight hike that last night of camp, and we had had baptisms throughout the week. I was 11 years old. And I remember just being hit like lightning in that peaceful darkness. I need to be baptized into Christ. And so I found my dad. My parents were both very involved in camp. And we talked, and we talked about baptism. And I didn't want to be baptized in front of the entire camp like usually was the case. Believe it or not, 11-year-old me had a little bit of shyness to him. And... So it was just my family. We went down to Lake Herman and a couple others from church. Somebody brought a spotlight that they shone on the waters as my dad and I walked in. And I made the good confession and my dad baptized me. And my two overriding memories of that moment were coming out of the water because way off in the distance, a big crowd of most of the rest of camp had gathered, and when I came out of the waters, they began cheering way off in the distance. And I still remember in my bunk that night, in my cabin, waters of baptism barely dry, an overwhelming sense of peace. Feeling the most powerful peace I had ever felt up to that point in my life, and every experience of peace since then has been measured against that moment, and it only came by grace. I accepted it, but it was a gift. I couldn't earn that peace. I was graced by peace in Christ. And here's the thing. We'll never appreciate a gift if we don't know just how costly it was. 
We'll never fully appreciate a precious gift unless we know just how far the giver has traveled to give it. All right, Paul knows just how far from God he was as a sinner. He was persecuting the Lord's church. He calls himself in one of his letters the chief sinner. So Paul speaks of this in verse 8. He says, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely, therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. Jesus didn't die for us because we were perfect. He died for us while we were sinners. While we were mired in sin and death. Broken. Not only that, Paul says we're not only sinners while we were enemies. Enemies of who? Enemies of God. How can that be? God created us. His beloved, we're, we're his image bearers, right? We're his, his precious creation, his beloved. How can we be enemies with God? God didn't create us to be his enemies, but humankind, as we oppose God's peace, we turn ourselves in opposition to God. The book of Genesis tells us our primal ancestors chose to place themselves in enmity to God by opposing themselves to his righteousness and peace. And so when we sin, we we turn away from the good that is God's being back towards the nothingness from which he called us. We turn towards death. And we place ourselves in enmity to God when we choose to ally ourselves with the forces of sin and death in the world. C.S. Lewis, we've been studying in the adult auditorium Bible class, he writes, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. And that includes all of us. None of us are exempt from this diagnosis. There's a Russian writer from the 20th century named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Hope I'm getting that right. And he was a soldier. Well, he's an important writer who eventually won the Nobel Prize in literature, but he was a soldier in World War II for the Russian Red Army until he was arrested because he wrote a private letter that included some criticism of Joseph Stalin. And he was sentenced to eight years in the gulag labor camp system. You can see that the gulag camps were spread all around Russia, starting with Lenin back in the 20s and reaching their zenith with Joseph Stalin in the 40s and 50s. And Solzhenitsyn went for eight years to a gulag labor camp. About 14 million people passed through these camp, through the camps through the years, and they say 1.5 million passed away in the camp or shortly thereafter. And In his book, The Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn writes about being in the camp, being in prison, and yet realizing a pretty similar life could have led him to be on the other side of the harm coming to him 
He could have just as easily been the prison guard and not the prisoner. And so he writes this incredible passage. He says, if only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? Doesn't Paul say as much earlier in Romans chapter 3 where he says, For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet God graced us with his peace. But it's really important to grasp the lengths to which God went to grace us with his peace. It's really important to grasp the lengths to which God has come because sometimes I think we imagine goodness like a continuum like this. That, that there's good on one end and that's where God is and way on the other end is, is the very worst of society, the wicked, and we're kind of probably somewhere situated comfortably in between. Maybe on a good day we lean towards God. In reality... There is no sliding scale between God that can include humans, right? We are not on a continuum with God's righteousness. We are separated by a chasm from the perfect, eternal goodness of God. God is not just good. He is the good. He is goodness itself. And we are separated as fallen humans, And I'm not positing some kind of moral equivalence that all human sins are exactly the same. Of course not. But when we realize the lengths to which God has come to reconcile us to himself, just how far he has traveled, and then we look at our own neighbors and our own enemies, do we really think that another human can be further from us than God has been from fallen humankind? Are we so confident that someone is so far beyond the pale of peace that they cannot be reached by the God who, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, gave himself to us in Christ Jesus? the God who graced us with his peace when we were separated by the ultimate chasm. No. Remember the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I. When we look at our neighbors and our enemies, those who've wronged us, those that we've wronged, we remember just how close we are because the line between good and evil cuts through every human heart. And so the terms of God's peace are that we go now and do likewise. We go having been made at peace with him and make peace with others. And because we were the rebels, God's peace comes on his terms. 
God requires of us. Now that we've been reconciled, Paul will say, we are ministers of reconciliation. Now that God has traveled all that length to give us the gift of his peace, it's incumbent upon us to look at the world for the possibilities of peacemaking. If we don't, if we withhold peace from our enemies, we're threatening to break the terms of our peace with God. And our peace with God can't be earned, but it can be squandered. It can be squandered. Remember Jesus' parable of the unmerciful servant? Remember that one, Matthew 18? Jesus tells this story about a king and a servant, and the king forgives the servant a 10,000 talent debt. Now, apparently, that's a monetary unit that basically means Jesus was saying he forgave him a gazillion dollars. Like 10,000 talents is about 200,000 years of wages, apparently. So he forgives this massive hyperbolic debt. But then that servant turns around and demands repayment from another servant who owes him 100 denarii. It's like a couple months of wages, a pittance compared to a gazillion dollar debt. But he, he seizes the servant, he chokes him. And so Jesus says that then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Hard words. If we refuse to seek peace with our neighbor, with the stranger, with our brother, with our enemy. God says our forgiveness, our peace is being squandered away. Jesus says, we face judgment then. But the other message of the parable is the 10,000 talents, is just how generous the grace of God has been with his peace, right? It's been a gazillion dollar debt forgiven. God has traveled across the chasm, the mountain that we could never climb. And so we owe it to others, having received the gift of peace, to be peacemakers in the world. Returning to the words of George Hunzinger, peace comes as a gift before it unfolds as a task. We can only live up to our special task as God's children, as peacemakers, if we remember our special gift. If we remember the ways that God has gifted us and chosen us and purposed us for the job of reconciling. So the question we have to raise this morning, church, is if Jesus will go the lengths of the cross while we were still sinners in enmity to God, how far will we go to make peace with our neighbor? How far will we go to make peace with our enemy? Are we willing to take up our cross and follow in the way of peace? Are we willing to see the world through the eyes of people who have received the grace of peace?
Art Gish was somebody who did that. He passed away in 2010, but he and his wife Peggy pictured here, they were a member of an organization called Christian Peacemaker Teams. They were just farmers in Ohio, Christians, and they joined Christian Peacemaker Teams, and Art from 1995 to 2001 went on multiple trips out to the Middle East, in fact, to the West Bank, to the city of Hebron, which has been called a microcosm of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And Art went there with these teams to be an international observer, to be a nonviolent presence, to be someone who can listen to all sides of the conflict that perpetuates even to the horrors of our day. Art went over there and he records his stories from that conflict, from that, those trips, in, in several books, including the Hebron Journal. And he talks about the incredible people and scenarios of peacemaking that he saw. He talks about a couple rabbis that he met in West Jerusalem. And these rabbis, they had heard about a Palestinian family whose son had been convicted of murdering an Israeli. And as punishment, that Palestinian's family, Palestinian family's home was demolished. And these two rabbis were talking and planning of going to rebuild the home. And these two rabbis came the next month to a tent that Art Gish and his teammates had set up in Hebron, in the middle of the bustling city noise and traffic next to a red cross. They had set up a tent for worship, a tent for prayer a tent to protest the hostilities. And on March 1st, 1997, Gish records an entry in which in that tent, in that afternoon, they had Muslim Palestinians, a Christian Palestinian, Israeli Jews, European and American Christians all in that tent, in a circle, talking about their hopes of peace. And he writes in his book, he says, We know that we ourselves cannot solve the problems in Hebron, but we have a vision of watering the miracle of peace, of being open to be part of God's reconciling and healing work in Hebron. He had been graced by the peace of God even when he was a hostile sinner. So Art went to a place of hostility to extend the grace and peace of God. He now saw the world through the eyes of someone who had been an enemy and became a friend. And once you've seen the world through those eyes, through the eyes of the cross and resurrection you start to see new possibilities. You start to see the possibility that enmity could become friendship, that war could become peace. And that's not based on some kind of naive optimism. It's based on the reality of what's happened to us in Jesus Christ. Church, we can't squander the gift We can't squander the gift of peace with God. We have to go now blessed as peacemakers, as God's children living in the ways of the Father of all peace. 
living in the ways of Jesus Christ, taking up our cross, going the extent that Jesus went to reach peace with our neighbors, to reach peace in our families, in our churches, our neighborhoods, our city, and beyond. To see the world through the eyes of grace and peace and to receive that gift from God once again in the process. May we receive the gift of peace with Christ. Though we were far off, though we were fallen, though we still remain affected by the effects of our brokenness, may we receive the peace that comes only by grace in Jesus who died while we were still sinners, while we were still in enmity. Let us stand and praise the Jesus who made peace and blesses us as peacemakers by grace.